Mm-hmm. I want us to be able to do more. We want to have time freedom together. We want to be able to do all these things. And like you guys have the dream together. And then they get to this point where they start believing their own bio, yeah. right? And it's like this this horrible thing that happens that it's almost like they involve to a different person and not like, yes, I have this persona. This is who I am. This is what the business is. But like, here's here's the person that I've decided to do life with and that I have kids with, right? And not to be, you know, too big for that. Yeah. Crazy. So it's like a counseling session. I, this no, is amazing. I know. I know <laughs> it's, it's good. so good because like people, well, so, people don't so hear that. Need the most, you know, hundred percent. Welcome to Big Business Mistakes, hosted by Brandon and Kaylin Poulin. Hear the most successful entrepreneurs tell jaw-dropping stories and lessons behind their biggest business mistakes, so that you don't make them. Ditch the fake highlight reel and get the raw truths and golden lessons of what it actually takes to scale your business from those who have done it. This is Big Business Mistakes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Business Mistakes podcast. I am here with Russell Brunson today, which is so exciting, uh, founder of ClickFunnels. And I think you guys are like about to hit a billion next year, yep, right? Like the big B. the big B. I cannot wait for this. I cannot wait to hear some of your mistakes. Like <laughs> you've been doing this so long. I remember I, I've heard so many of your stories, right? Like I've been around you for a long time, following you for a long time. Like you mentored us for a long time. And I've heard so many of the awesome stories that we were like, <laughs> yeah, we should probably Russell not. Russell messed up a lot. Do that, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I I just think like for everyone listening, you know, you see ClickFunnels and you now and like you're everywhere. You have all these ads and there's all the success. You're about to hit a billion. And people sometimes can be like, oh yeah, that's easy for Russell to say because he's perfect and he (laughs) knows it all. And, you know, and and he just has success and that's maybe not for me. Like Mm -hmm. that's not what my business looks like right now or what my business looked like when I was scaling you know, from 1 million, trying to scale from one to 10. Right. And so I think it's going to be awesome today for everyone to hear your perspective. Like, no, like maybe from the (laughs) outside, you guys think that, right. It's easy to look at you and be like, oh, he's got all this influence and this big success. But it's like, what are the things that happened along the way that like is the cost of doing business, yeah. right? Like you have to make mistakes to grow from it. And so many things have been buried in my head for so long. It's like re-unburying. I'm like, oh crap, I forgot about that and that. And like, I was really dumb. So it'll be, yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. So the first question I want to kick it off with is like, what has been the most expensive mistake that you've made? Yeah, Um Wow, the most expensive mistake is definitely, um, and this is funny because I'm not a contract person at all, but yeah. like when we set up ClickFunnels, we had the founding partners and members, like two of our founding partners have left mm-hmm. um, because of circumstances throughout. Yeah. And the first one was like a $5 million, five or $6 million cost. Second one was like a 15, 12 to $15 million cost. Yeah. So it's just not knowing ahead of time. It was just like, when you first started business, everyone's excited, like, oh, it's gonna be yeah. amazing. And we, and we just jump in and start doing things. And we luckily we had an operating agreement, which had like kind of the rules of what would happen, mm-hmm. but we just thought everything would be perfect forever. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, so you we're all gonna do this forever. Yeah, it's gonna be great. And then um, people's, you know, people change and things happen and people, you know, it, and nothing bad, like it's interesting. Yeah. Like our partners wasn't like, it was just people hit their goals and they were mm-hmm. done. And it was just like, they wanted to be done. Right. But right. we're just getting started, you know? So, um, and it's funny cause you know, we've been working with you on the contract with lady boss mm-hmm. right now. And Brandon's got all these different things making <laughs> us do. And it's like, ah, oh, so frustrating, but it's also, it's the things that, that make it work long-term. And I'm grateful. I'm still friends with those guys long-term because we had some things in place, but yeah. definitely wish we would have thought through 
all those things more and, or consulted somebody who had been in that before, before we just like, oh yeah, yeah. draw an equity to everybody, yeah, we're let's just go. Gonna, all of us are gonna grind forever because that's, that's like yeah. the thing is like seasons change. And even in the beginning when you're like exciting, you're driving and you're scaling together and it's like the birth of the business and like mm. the fun, exciting, you know, times, um, seasons change for people, right? And yeah. they're like, I'm ready to do something else or I'm ready to move on or I'm ready yeah. to go start a new thing. And that just because like you were excited together and like partnered together in the first place doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be partnered forever yeah. and they won't move on and you continue to drive or you won't want to move on, mm -hmm. right? And they continue to drive it. So what would you say with with people that are maybe partnered in business, how should they approach like those partnerships? I think a big part of it is just understanding that like, um, like having clauses where it's like when you are actively engaged, then it's this. If you, mm -hmm. if you want to check out, that's cool. But then it shifts, it changes, you know, like yeah. maybe you don't get profit share anymore if you're not engaged or you don't get equity or whatever. I have a friend who's got uh, you know, business does half a billion dollars a year, a big supplement company and everything. And they started it with three partners. And one of the partners, they'd sign the contracts off, whatever. And it was just, there was no outs. There was no, like, if you don't show up, so there was none, none of that. And now they're doing half a billion dollars a year and their partner has not showed up for like almost a decade. And they keep trying to buy him out. And he's so like negative, like, they were showing me the emails. Like, he's they, like, why would he? He's like, screw right? you. Like, why would I? Like, I started, this whole thing was my idea. Like, it was your idea, but the idea is not, doesn't matter, right? Like, yeah. it's the thing. And so um, I, I was like, if I would go back again now and start over, it'd be like, as we're growing from tier to tier, right? Like, like this is the partnership we're going from here to, let's say, to a million or to 10 million. But 10 million, it's like, we need to renegotiate, like, like refigure things out. Like, are you, are you still providing the value at a, you know, because, some people have really good skill sets to go from zero to a million, a million mm -hmm. to 10. But then like when you're going from a hundred, like, you know, we're going from a hundred to a billion, like- It might I not be the same person. I don't even have the right skill sets for that, right? Like I've never done it. So, <laughs> you're like, like I'm figuring it out every day. Yeah, so I gotta bring someone else in who's actually done that. And like, they're gonna want a piece of that. And it's like, you've chopped it up and gave it away to just everybody else, then you're kind of in a, in a weird spot. You know what I mean? So I think it's just having more of those conversations ahead of time. You know, I wish we would have, we just, didn't think about it. It's been yeah. insanely expensive now, yes. almost $20 so, million dollars expensive. So. Oh my gosh. So that's a $20 million haircut that <laughs> Russell just saved you from yeah. right there. Yeah. It's hard. Uh, me and Brandon talk about this all the time. And can, you see it a lot in like the, the internet marketing space too, is like, people are like, We're oh, partners. I like you and you like me. And if we do this together, like this would blow up. And they just like literally We met in a mastermind this weekend. Now right. we're business now partners. Now we're business forever. partners. We're going to do this thing. Right. And, and it's funny because people don't look at partnerships. Like you're literally like getting married to yeah. this person. Like you have to know everything about them. Mm. Like you have to know like, what is my role? What is your role? How is this gonna work out? Like if we're having fights, yeah. like what's gonna happen? You know, uh, Grant Cardone and, and Brandon Dawson who are partnered together mm. um, in his company, they literally put a byline in their contract that says, uh, if we ever disagree about anything, we're gonna go to the beach and wrestle and fight each other. <laughs> and whoever wins, like gets the same. That's awesome. I'm like, those are the things you have to think through, right? Yeah. Also big thing is like understanding, cause a lot of times you share, you share a value with someone like you're both into business. So you like that mm -hmm. value. And so again, we had one partner we brought in for a short period of time and they left, but it was like, because we valued the funnels and work at that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But then as it started unfolding. It's like, the only thing we value the same is that everything else was like, like, oh my gosh, your beliefs on this and this and this are so diabolical, the opposite of ours. Mm -hmm. Like, it was just like, we can't have any conversation other than this. And that makes really hard thing. And we were trying to like, you know, what's the vision of the company? Where are we trying to go and who are we serving? And it's like, oh, wow, your values are so far from mine. And so I think that's what the dating process of something is like realizing all those things. Like I'm lucky when I met Todd, Todd came into my world and it's like, we both like marketing. So that mm -hmm. started it. But then like we met our families and we have very similar values. We're both from Christian backgrounds. We're both like all these things. And so 
it makes decisions easier, makes, you know, all yeah. things because we have common things. And we luckily, you know, we worked together for probably three, three or so years before we decided to start ClickFunnels and start a partnership. But prior to that, it was just, you know. Yeah, you had kind of like practiced it out. Like, yeah. how would this work? Like, yeah. let's partner with something on like a JV deal first. Yeah. And let me see how this works before we like jump into bed together and like make an yeah. LLC together. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's like, it's it's funny. LLC because, is a marriage contract. Just, yeah, yeah, it that is. That should be the new is. title it's of it, like, yeah. <laughs> you have to sort all that stuff out and like make sure that you have like I's and T's that, you know, if things went wrong, like, do I have myself protected? Mm. And um, I just don't think a lot of people like, you know, come into partnerships with that. They get excited about what it is because when you're trying to scale, right, you're like, oh, like all we need is this person and you're looking for the person and you're like moving so fast and so much is happening and so much is going on mm -hmm. that you don't slow down to be like, okay, is it the right person? You're just like, it's you. You could be the one, right? <laughs> Especially in hiring too, right? Like oh, you're yeah. the one, like you could be the one. And sometimes you see past and you'll, you'll, um, you'll look past like other things that maybe like you have an inkling about or a feeling about or something that's off. And you're like, it's okay because they're going to do this. Yeah. And you kind of like make it not excuse for it, but you kind of cover it with, with what you're on. Ex yeah. exactly with why it'll work, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, talking about, uh, marketing, right. You were just talking about like you and Todd, like love the marketing side together. Um, what do you think is like a valuable mistake that you could share with everyone? Like what is a marketing mistake that you've made? Like maybe something that you launched that didn't work or maybe like a concept that you had or something that you did that like was a total flop or went like totally the wrong way. What's like, <laughs> a, cause you're like the marketing king, right? So I know you probably have a couple of oh, these. Oh man, yeah, I'll share two that are, and the lesson from this is understanding that there are laws that are out there that exist, whether you know them or not, you're still yeah. like actually accountable to them. So <laughs> the first one, um, so my background, you know this, but when I was a little kid, I collected junk mail. Like I was yeah. obsessed with that. I got on every person's mailing list. And there's a thing, I don't think it's popular nowadays. Back in the day, it was a thing called a chain letter. Have you heard of chain letter? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So those who don't know, chain letter is amazing. You get this letter in the mail. It's like, hey, if you send $1 to each of these 10 people, then you put your name on the number 10 spot and you take them from one person off. And then you send this letter out to a thousand people. And then based on the way the pyramid, it's literally a pyramid, like the definition <laughs> of a pyramid scheme. By the way, the pyramid, by the time you're at the top, you're getting a million people sending you a $1 bill. It's yeah. like, you know, 12 year old Russell's like, this is the greatest thing in the world. Like, <laughs> I literally borrowed 12 bucks from my parents. Like did the whole thing and never made a penny back. But then I got online and I started learning about internet marketing, how this stuff is working. And I was like, I think that that would actually work in the internet world. <laughs> and so eBooks were just a brand new thing. And they had these eBook rebranders. So this is, Clint and I had married, married uh, only a year. And this is, it's funny because my wife- Poor Colette. Yeah, I love her, but she's always like, her biggest question every time I get excited, she's like, so is this legal? Are we can go to jail? And the yeah. reason why she that's asked that- That's a good question to ask yes, you, Russell, to be 100%. honest. Like, that's a good question And the question reason to ask. why she asked this because of this experience. So, um, so- <laughs> This is the one that started it all. Oh, I was like, I'm a genius. This is so cool. So what I did is I created an ebook that was a chain letter. It literally had like 10 people's names, but then I had a rebrander in it. So you'd go and you go on PayPal and you PayPal what each person- a dollar. Uh -huh. And then it would, after you did it all, it would unlock this rebrander and then you could rebrand it with your name and then you send the ebook out. And that oh was the process. Gosh. So I did the very first one. And in my head, back in my head, like, I think I knew, cause I was like, ah. Uh, it just doesn't feel right. Yeah, but, but I was like, <laughs> if this works, this is gonna be crazy. And so I posted, and I don't have a way to sell. This is pre-email list, pre-Facebook, pre-MySpace, pre-everything. So I posted on eBay. And so I sold one oh on eBay. Gosh. And I was like, somebody bought it for like five bucks. And then somebody else bought it and somebody else bought it. And all of a sudden like, if they buy it, they have to go through the thing. And then they, I think they paid me five bucks 
for the rebrand. I can't remember. I got five bucks for every single person, no matter what. So I, so I got paid off everybody. I was like the postmaster, right? Like, <laughs> and so it started happening. And then I sold three or four and I was like, I don't know if this is legit or not. I'm just going to stop. But then those three or four people got excited and they kept selling and selling and selling it. And soon it was like, I was getting $5 things because they kept, people kept buying the rebrander to put their name in it over. And it was like, day one, I got a hundred bucks. Day two it was like $150. Day three, I got $300. And I was like, oh you're like, gosh, oh no, I don't know what to do. And it kept going and going. And it was like growing. an avalanche. And I was like, Clut. Oh my gosh. And, and, and she starts freaking out. We're getting excited. Everything's happening. And then within like five days, I get the cease and desist letter from some lawyer who's like, this is literally a definition of it. And I was like, oh, I know what to do. And so like, I, uh, I like went and I refunded everyone who bought the rebrand or I emailed everybody. And then all these people were angry. They're messing me because like they were making money too. Yeah. And everyone's freaking out. Like we'd figured the, like, the holy grail. And anyway, so the whole thing, I've never told this story publicly. Actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like, amazing. Um, so I refunded everyone, canceled the whole thing. And everyone's angry. And those angry emails, I actually ended up changing my email address because it was so much chaos. And you know, in our heads, we already spent the money because we're like, yeah. whoa, this is amazing. And I tell her, like, ah, it turns out it was illegal. And so I gave all the money back. And then, yeah, and that, that was the very first time. And so that's, that's kind of a dumb one. That was, the, like, that was the first thing I think I ever made money with. It was like mm -hmm. so exciting. I'm like, crap, I got to figure out the legal ways to do things. Um, I love that you kept it with you from like the time you were 12 years old to, to like- <laughs> There's the idea someday, this is gonna come to, gonna turn into Like that's how huge. deep this idea vault goes. Like, oh, I had this idea when I was, did this thing when I was 12. I couldn't afford posters back then, but when eBooks gave her out, it was huge. It was actually, okay, I have three stories about this. So the second one then is, same thing is, when I, back when I was 12, buying all the junk mail, and I remember I would get it and I read tons of sales letters and the sales letters, people are like, all you do is you find an offer, you find a list of people, who want that offer and then you send them, you know, send them a letter and then if 3% buy, you make money or whatever. And so that's how all the direct mail guys were doing. They like, when I was subscribing to this list, I was on a list of people who like to get drunk, junk mail in the mail. And so yeah. I would get everyone's junk mail. So that's the idea. You get a product, you rent a list, send the letter to the list and you make money. And so I actually tried that, but I had no money for post. In fact, um, I was probably 14 or 15 years old for Christmas, I asked for postage. Oh and so gosh. I had like 36 stamps I got for, um, for postage one year for Christmas from everybody. Like everyone gave me a couple stamps. And I remember, cause like- I, And that's what everyone knew. There's something different <laughs> about Russell. But I, and I couldn't afford a mailing list. So I, I literally went to the, to the, uh, the white pages and I opened up and oh I, I wrote a little sales letter and I flipped through and I, I picked 36 lucky people who were gonna get my sales letter in the oh mail. And I wrote it and then I put a stamp on it. And I was just like, if just one person buys, I'm gonna make money. And I sent it out and there's crickets, right? And I was like, dang it. But then fast forward to when I started learning internet marketing and um, I went to this little event at a Holiday Inn and the guy was talking about email marketing. Mm -hmm. And that's when I had the light bulb. I'm like, it's the same thing, but I don't have to pay for postage. This is gonna be like, <laughs> You know, like that was yeah. it. Like, I'm this gonna is going to explode. Yeah. And so that's when I, you've heard the story before. That's when I was like Googling, like, how do you buy an email list? And there was yeah. these guys selling DVDs on, it was like, <laughs> I think it was spamfreeemailaddresses.com. And I bought a DVD with like a million person email list. Oh my gosh. And I got it. And then I found a product. I made a little product. I actually went to Kinko's and Staple. And I made this little booklet. And then I set up an email. I started sending out emails to this million person list, selling like a $20 or whatever. And emails are going out like crazy, you know, and anyway, long story short, uh, well, best part of the story. So yeah, tell, I, tell, okay, tell, 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 tell. So my wife and I have just got married. So this is getting, this is probably scam number two that I'm, that I'm doing. Because <laughs> I didn't know the spam laws. Hey, like, you eventually like, made it right. Yeah, once again, there's laws that you need to be aware of that you're accountable to whether you know it or not, which is the lesson hopefully for today. So I didn't know about can spam or laws or anything. And so uh, get the DVD, set up on my computer. And this is pre- high-speed internet, so it was dial-up mode. Oh so, yeah, you were like totally on dial. It was like, chee, chee, yeah, chee, Make that little noise, chee, yeah. And so 
we only, your house had one phone line. So it's either you're on the computer or on the phone, but you can't do both. And yeah. so I waited till nighttime till we're going to bed. Like, hey, Colette, I'm going to go and I'm going to plug in the modem. So I go into, unplug the phone, plug the modem in under the desk, you know, and I come out and click send on the sender. And I see email one getting sent, email two, three. I'm like, oh, like we're going to be rich. I'm doing the math in my head. If I'm sending to a million people, if 1% buy a $20 product, you know, and like, we're going to be rich. And so I'm telling Colette and she's all excited and, um, <laughs> Maybe she was just humoring me. I don't really know, but she's like, "Is this legal?" Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm so excited. Emails going sent out, and then we go to bed that night. Wake up in the morning. I run out first thing with the computer. I think like 6,500 emails have been sent. I'm like, "Dang it, this is going too slow." And then of course, Clutch like, "I need to use the phone." And this is pre-cell phones. So like, I need to yeah. use the phone. I'm like, "But yeah, we're gonna no. be rich." Like, yeah. Ugh. She's like, "I need the phone. I will work." So I pause this mailer, crawl on the desk, unplug the unplug the modem, plug the phone back in. While I'm still on the desk, the phone rings. I'm like, that's weird. So I get out, I answer the phone and there's this dude yelling the other side and he was the internet service provider that I was, you know, I was paying for the internet. And he's like, what are you doing? Like you're spamming about like 40 spam complaints in the last four hours and you've done it, all this stuff. I was like, what are you talking? I'm like, no, no, no. Like, so you don't understand. Like, um, I, I got these email addresses, spam free email addresses, and I explained the whole thing to him. And he's he did not care. <laughs> he came back. He's like, that's literally. He's like, he said, son, that's literally the definition of spam. And so he shut down my email address. He threatened charges and suits and everything. And I remember walking back into Clet and like, don't quit your job today. Like, um, I have to like anyway. And that was number two. And then I remember. I That's just so funny because every time for Colette, you're like, we're going to be rich. We're going to be rich. And she's like, we're going to be rich. And then you're like, oh, Colette, so uh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So all my, all my earlier you just, How many times did you illegal. crush Colette's dreams oh, over the years? So many times, yeah. She stayed with me though, so good for her. Yeah, yeah. Good job, Colette. Yeah. The, the weirdest thing about that is I remember I got done and then she went to work and then I would like walk to school and then I went to the computer lab to check my email. And the, the weirdest things though is that I had sold like five or six people actually bought the thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, it worked. Like I did it illegally, but it worked. Like there's a way to do this. And so mm -hmm. I had to go and figure out like, how does it, what's the legal way to do this, right? How, how does the spam laws work? How do you actually build a list? And then that like started me and down the list building route, you know? So that was the second one. Then the third big one was just, we were at a time where our company was collapsing and I had the greatest idea. Anytime you have a really good idea, half the times it's illegal. So in fact, <laughs> yeah. I, I highly recommend everyone watch American Greed. I watch American Greed yeah. every episode because it helps me understand what the laws are. Because mm -hmm. half the time you're like, that's a brilliant idea. And the guy goes to jail. You're like, why did he go to jail? You gotta yeah. figure that out. You know, Russell's like, like, that's a brilliant <laughs> idea. I'm gonna do it. And he's like, wait, let's see if he went to jail or not. Yeah. Oh crap, he's in jail. <laughs> but like, I had an idea for this offer. We launched it. We killed it. Did like quarter million dollars in a day. And I was like, oh, like save the business. Yeah. And then um, I was trying to get some contract work done from a lawyer. And he's looking what I sold. He's like, you just sold a franchise. I'm like, no, no, I did. I sold the licensing. He's like, let me show you how franchise explain the whole thing to me. And he's like, you need to refund everyone's money. And I was like, oh crap, I'm going to go bankrupt if we do. And so we had to go back and go to all the people who bought and like, hey, we can't do that. We do this instead. And we had to shift it and they changed the offer. It was like a whole thing, but it just comes down to not understanding what you can and can't do ahead of time. So there's a whole bunch of them. So yeah. So, so yeah. you're saying like now when you get an idea, you're like, yeah, here's the idea. And you're like, okay, let's check with compliance, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. And like we have legal, like, you know, we have a full-time legal team now yeah. who looks at stuff. And so the biggest thing though, is just understand the basics of those laws and like having someone look at your things, even if it's, if you can't hire a lawyer yet, like have someone around you look at yeah. stuff, you know, like you, like, for example, you can't say, let me show you how so-and-so made a million dollars on my thing. You can't talk about those kind of things. Like yep. those are income claims. You, like there's stuff that you just, even if it's true, you can't necessarily do it. Like there's it's just, just getting a good understanding of the laws because every good idea, someone else had it and became illegal because, you know, like the guy, <laughs> like whoever, 
Ponzi, whatever his first name was, that yeah. dude like had such a good yeah. idea. Yeah, and then he, he became the Ponzi scheme. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, it wasn't right, but <laughs> he, it all started. Yeah. It all started when he I was 12 years old. <laughs> Collecting junk mail. <laughs> and he got his first chain mail. Oh my gosh. I love that. So uh, shifting gears here, like, especially, you know, with you talking about Colette so much and like, you know, you being like, we're going to be rich and no, we're not actually and <laughs> going through all that. What do you feel like has been um, emotionally like the biggest mistake that you've made that maybe didn't have like so much monetary repercussion, but more like an emotional toll of like, man, like this one hurts. Like it's one thing to be like, I got to give this money back. But another one that's like, this has been keeping me up at night. And I'm not sure yeah. like if I'm, am I going to get over this? Yeah. The, the, um, probably one of the most emotional, but also the most painful one um, was a few years before I met you guys, before we launched ClickFunnels. So we, I'd been building a company, doing this stuff. And it was interesting because when I first started the business, it was just me. And then uh, I had friends who were like, they hear I was doing, they excited. So I'm like, yeah. hey, you want a job? You want a job? Yeah. Like, anyone who would talk to me, you want a job? So I started hiring my friends and my family and all these people because like they actually, yeah, I thought they were interested. And so we started building this company and we built to the point we had almost 100 employees and we had a big call center, we had coaching stuff. We were just doing all this stuff and having some success. But um, it was interesting because I, and this is, I don't know. I, I always thought that like all these people are here because they're my friends. Like this is why yeah. they're here. Like they all believe in the they mission do and all this me. stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's so great. And it was crazy because we hit this peak where everything was going well. And then um, there was this whole, like those who've been around since, 2000, whatever it was, like the big merchant account crash of like 2010 or whatever, mm -hmm. right? when merchant accounts freaked out and they started shutting down most internet marketers and like there was too much risk and you know all the stuff. And so all of our merchant accounts got shut down overnight. And um, yeah, that's happened to me. Merchant account being shut down with your merchant. Oh, sucks. it's so painful. And so, and I thought we had diversity. People, I get multiple merchant accounts. So we yeah. had nine merchant accounts in the same bank, which <laughs> oh. is basically one. <laughs> so, so don't have all your merchant accounts in the same bank. Different bank, hundred percent. Yeah. And so we had these merchant accounts and then um, what, everything's working. And also one day, like noon, like they stopped working. Like, like our continuity's not going through size, you know, salesmen aren't, can't process stuff. And someone comes up like, Hey, you know, I can't process cars. Something must be wrong. Oh, it's fine. So we're going through. And then no one else can. And all our rebuilds start failing. We're like, something's happening. And just trying to figure things out. And so I finally called the merch account company and I get on the phone and, um, and the lady was like, if you lost your merch account, it means you're one of the scammers. And she hung up on me. And I was oh, like, no. but what? And I'm trying to call back. Can't get a hold, can't, can't get a hold of anybody. It's just this, you know, that freak out. Um, and so like, I have a meeting with our whole team, hundred people bringing in like, Hey guys, I don't know what's happening, but this is what's happening. Da -da -da. And like, I'm, we're working on like, thinking that we're all on the same team here. And like, yeah. this is awesome. They and start freaking the out. The next day, half of them didn't come back. Oh I was gosh. like, oh, okay. And then, yeah. And then I'm like, okay, um, I've got X amount of money saved, but I'm going to keep putting, I'm going to keep paying salary, but there's no money coming. Like we cannot collect money. I don't know when we're going to be able to do it. So like I took all my savings, everything I ever earned at that point, and I started giving it back to the company, like pay for these people and pay for the payroll and all sorts of stuff. And then anyway, it started like a six month process of trying to get merchant accounts. We finally get a merchant account again. Then we do a launch and we make too much money too fast. And they freeze it and hold the money for another yeah. 180 days. And like just, it was like the most painful two years, but as painful as like the process was of just the merchant account up and downs and headaches. And the harder thing for me was just like, when I started seeing like these people who I thought were my best friends, when as soon as I was like, hey, I gotta give you a pay decrease until I'm paying out of my own pocket here. I gotta do a pay decrease. What do you need to like survive? And then they just wouldn't show up again. Or like, mm -hmm. I'm out then. And they just start walking away. I'm like, you kidding me? Like I'm paying you out of my own pockets, like post-tax money, everything I have yeah. to, like, to keep you here, keep you employed. And I think it was just, it was so hard for me. So much so that like, it went from hundred employees down to, I can't remember, we probably had five or six 
when finally we had to shut everything down and move to this little tiny office. But it scarred me so much. I was like, I will never hire an employee again. In fact, mm-hmm. you could ask Brent, who's one of the, you know, Brent's been around forever. He was part of that. Brent was one of the few people who stuck with me during that, even though he, I had cut his pay in like a third. Um, and, um, but we, we had a rule, like we will never hire an employee again. Like I, like it was so painful for me because I thought they were my friends and they're not. And it was so painful. And then we didn't for a three or four years we hired an employee because I was, had so much trauma around it, you know? Yeah. And then- Yeah, you're just like, uh, yeah, I'll just keep it whatever this size yeah. is. Yeah, for- like just funny, in the mar- <laughs> in my old marketing series podcast, there's a there's a podcast episode where I was like, you have to be a moron to want to do over $10 million. You Like no one would ever, like, that's the stupidest thing in the world because I was like, <laughs> so much pain. Like I don't want to yeah. ever do that. Like, I never want to experience that again. And it wasn't until we launched ClickFunnels um, that like, at first I was like, we're not gonna, <laughs> same thing. Yeah. And then I remember I was on family vacation during this launch and I came back and poor Kelsey, who runs our uh, security now, but she was the only employee doing customer support. And she'd been there for like three days trying to answer support tickets. And there's like, and I logged in that night and there's like five or 6,000 support tickets. And it's just her. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna go home. I'll take care of this. So I got in there. I spent like three hours answering support tickets. I was like, I got four done in the last three. Like, <laughs> we're gonna die. It's like, I ended up emailing the list. I was like, if you like ClickFunnels want to work for us, let me know. And like yeah. all these emails came and started hiring people again. But I hired the second time differently. First time I was like, this is my mission. These are all my friends. This is going to be amazing. The yeah. second time I, I want like, everyone to win with me, right? Yeah. Like that's easy to be like, I know it's going to be successful and I want everyone around me to like win too. Yeah. And the second time it came back to understand like, like everyone here's got a different motive and it's okay. Like there's not a bad thing. Yeah. And, you know, at first I was like, like I was so angry at people who left. I was like, and it's like, no, like people here, and everyone's got different motives. And some people are here for money. Some people are here because they they are here for the mission. Some mm-hmm. people are here, and like, but it's like, let people be here for the motives. Like, mm-hmm. the, like your mission is to do whatever it is. Like, and that's your pursuit. And that's what you're doing. And then find people who their pursuits will help you get your pursuit, right? Mm-hmm. And then be okay with that. And so as we started building the second time, I looked at it through that lens. And then, and again, when people would leave before, it hurt me so bad. And now it's like, when people leave, it's like, oh, it sucks. But it's also, it's like, well, that's fine. Like there's, like if they have to leave as painful as that is, like, you know, I don't want to put that, like, I think part of it's because for me, it's like, it's my business and my yeah. baby, like, like, this is all I am. Like, you know, like yeah. if this went away, my would, business it, is me. <laughs> it would destroy me. Like, yeah. I remember one time, I think it was Brent, actually, I, I was going to email him. He's like, email me my personal email address. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, my, I have a personal one. I'm like, do you have a personal email address? Like, I only have an email address. Like, <laughs> like there, I didn't realize there's like business and like in my head, this is the same thing, you know? And yeah. so I was like, oh, but I think a lot of times we put our, like, for us, it's like, this is our whole thing. We try to put that on everyone else's shoulders where it's like understanding that like they can play a role in yours and fulfill mm-hmm. their mission too, yeah. which that's the key. If you can do that, but not like if they, if they have to leave, and they need to leave. Like, it's okay. Like it's, it's not like if I was leaving, like it's the end of my life. Cause it's all I know. But mm-hmm. if they leave, it's like, it's painful, but it's like, it's okay. Let them go and do the thing they need to do. And it just gave me more freedom. And now it's like, now the second time I've enjoyed it more and like mm-hmm. we've been able to attract the right people and it's just different. So anyway, those are those weird yeah, mistakes. Yeah, you I think I think the 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 thing too is like you always think like everyone else is gonna love your business as much mm-hmm. as you do when you're the entrepreneur because you're like, I'm the one that's like up all night, like figuring things out when I can't pay people. Like, what do we need to do? What do we need to launch? Like I'm the one stressing over it or like, you know, when it's the bad times and I'm the one that's like, you know, trying to figure things out and move it along, how to scale it, trying to hire the right people. And we expect that everyone else is gonna love it as much as we do. And you have mm-hmm. to understand like, it's like how you love, um, you know, your your friend's kid. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, I love my friend's <laughs> kids. Like you're amazing and it's They're awesome so cool. and I love, love you so home. much. But like, you don't love them the same as your own children. Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing. Uh, in setting the expectation. So it's like, what's the culture fit for them? And do they align with the mission? And like, want to work here to help people get the success that we're helping them, you know, get? Or is it like, 
are they just here for money? But I think like having the merger between the two and like what you said is like, what is their prerogative and what do they want? And like align them in the mission accordingly yeah. to that, to where everyone's here for their own goal and they have their own thing that they're after. And you have like the overarching, I'm the one chasing, <clears throat> I'm the one like trying to scale. Yeah. We need to find the people that fit like yeah. to that accordingly. Because the other way, you know? if you don't, like I said, that first time around, it was so emotionally damaging. Like I was like, I thought all my friends loved me. Like then yeah. made the whole like story of like, I'm a failure. Like, oh my gosh, I failed. And then all my friends don't love me anymore because mm -hmm. they left. And then like, man, it was like, you asked emotional. Like that was so emotionally like hard for me. And like, I don't think I've ever gone through like depression, but there were times where I was like depressed. You know, I was just like, God, like, what's the point? Like I killed myself. Like someone walked away. I'm like, do you realize what I did? Like yeah. I, I missed Christmas with my kids because I was at yeah. home trying to create an offer to make money to pay you so you could have Christmas. Yeah. And then you walked away, you know, like, it was just so much of- So what do you say so to people right that. now that maybe like have just had to let people go because there is, you know, this in the marketplace right now, yeah. like what do you say to the ones that have had to let people go like that? And maybe they're the ones sitting there being like, yeah, I never want to hire again. Or they're the one that's like, maybe I'm a poison in my business where I need to start hiring people and not to be afraid of it. What would, what would you tell them? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just um, uh, like, well, first off, if you're the one in your business, like find someone who can do the firing. It's still emotional. Like I don't, mm -hmm. I haven't fired anyone in a decade, which is so nice, but <laughs> yeah. it has to happen, right? And I think it's understanding like, usually when people leave, like you have let someone go, it's always the painful initial thing, but mm -hmm. then usually they land somewhere else and it's like, oh, that was actually better for you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like mm -hmm. if it's not a good fit for you, it's not a good fit for them either. And they're trying to, yeah. and you try to hold on to it. Cause like, oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Or, you know, I know their family, I know their kids, like da, yeah. da, da. And like, yeah, there's gonna be a moment of pain and they may lose a friendship or things separate, but like over the long term, it's like, they're actually going to be happier. Yeah. Like it's just like understanding that. I mean, you know, and logically, I think we can understand that, but it's like emotionally understanding that like this sucks, but like, man, it's actually going to be going to be better for, you know, I think on the hiring side, it's just under, like, it's, it's coming back to like, if we want to accomplish your mission, like, how do you, how do you, how do you build the dream team? Right. How do you build the event? Like the Avengers or the justice league, right? Like every superhero movie shows us the way, right? Like, yeah. like they go and they, they build a team. And like one of the problems we make when we build a team is like, we try to build a whole bunch of us's right. Yeah. Like if Iron Man built the Avengers and it was 12 Iron Man, like it wouldn't have happened. Right. Yeah, they needed so a Hulk and they needed a Captain America. And they, and sometimes we hire based on like who is similar to us. It's like, that causes problems. Like mm -hmm. Dean Graciosi are my favorite people on this planet, but we did a business deal together. And me and Dean are almost like clones of each other. Like, <laughs> yeah. like we're both good at the exact same thing. Yeah, you guys are kind of like clones of each oh, other now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> like we perfectly the exact same skill set. Yeah. So we came in this business and we're like, oh, it's gonna be amazing, so much fun. And then it's like two Iron Men in the room. And it's just like, as it started happening, it was just like, this is not, this is, yeah. this is not going well, right? And it's like understanding that instead of coming back saying, okay, I don't need another Iron Man, but I need this and this and this. So it's like, I think it's exciting. Like, okay, who's the person that's the best in the world who I can get to be part of mm -hmm. this and I can sell them on the vision, help them yeah. be part of it. And then you start assembling it's that. It's like, who's the person with the strength that makes like it stronger as a whole, yeah. not just like the duplication of me. <clears throat> like I have my role, like who, what are the strengths that we're missing that maybe like I lack in those areas? Yeah. How do you like hire for that person that covers your weaknesses? Like Brandon's that for me, right? Like, yep. you know what I mean? I'm like the marketer, I like so <laughs> we are like the exact yin and yang exactly and it's like and he's the other side of that and so it's not like it's not me and me running a business that would be awful nothing would ever get done right mm -hmm. i'm the loop opener he's the loop closer yeah. and so um when you can find things that cover like your weaknesses and do what you're best at and your skill set that only you can do and yeah. then hire for the things that you're like i'm not really the best at that or i suck at that like if you hire in those people and bring those um those other strengths to the table it makes it greater and more successful as a whole, yeah. you know, and your the thing is like, too. don't hire your friends either. A lot of times, a lot of times <laughs> yeah. you're like, oh, my friends would be great. It's like, no, like no. hire for the skill set, not for- Like I want to work with my friend. Yeah. 
Yeah. So far, exactly. that's rarely worked out for me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, real quick, you, you see a lot of businesses, right? Like with ClickFunnels and you guys, you know, someone comes in like building a funnel, wants to start a business, right? You teach them how to do that. Like literally I went through your course to build Lady Boss. You know, mm -hmm. when we were in our transition from network marketing to starting our own business, I watched your course. I was like, here's how you build a product. And here's how you make your email sequences. And here's how you do this. And then all the way to the point of like, you know, getting the two comma couple awards. And you've had all these people like zillions of people now that started a business online and now have made like a million dollars. So my question is mm -hmm. like of these businesses that are doing like a million, two million right now, um, out of all these businesses that you've seen like come through ClickFunnels, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think the biggest mistakes you've seen um, in those businesses trying to scale from like one or two million to like 10 million to like actually break through. Cause there's a barrier <laughs> there, right? Like hitting a million, you said it earlier, hitting a million is one thing going to 10 from there is totally different. Uh, going from 10 to a hundred million is totally different and a hundred to a billion, right? It's totally yeah. different. So what are the mistakes that you see in people trying to scale in that? Yeah. Like, It's fascinating because you see people who, so like going from zero to a million is all about like being an all-star, right? Like yeah. someone who's, who's, it's like Michael Jordan. He comes out there, he put him on a team. He's gonna, he's gonna win a bunch of games, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then the problem, the biggest problem is the ego we have. So like we get to a million bucks, we're like, oh, I got two yeah. couple more million bucks. Like I'm the greatest thing is there. You know, you start believing in your own bio. You feel mm -hmm. like you can walk on water, like all the things like you're amazing. And then you start trying I to- I love the believing in your own bio. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. So good. And that's what they do, right? And so then they think they're the best. And so they, they try to go from a million to 10. And what people don't understand is that like, like the skill sets needed to go from zero to a million and a million to 10 are different. Mm -hmm. It's not more of the- you know, like Michael Jordan, as good as he is, couldn't just keep playing harder and win national championships. Like yeah. it came back to like, okay, he got to this spot. Now it's like, now I need a Pippen. I need a Rodman. I need like, he needs the other, I just watched the last dance recently. So yeah, it's so I'm good. It's one of my so, favorites. <laughs> but that's like the thing, right? Like it's, it's that. And so it's like, um, in fact, it's interesting. Cause I think if you just, uh, in fact, someone asked me this probably two or three years ago, like, like how come Lady Boss grew so big? And I was like, because there's two core personalities. Like there's Kaylin, but there's Brandon. I'm like, mm -hmm. how you said, like either one of you guys are amazing. I think either, like, I think you could have stepped on the stage and made a million dollars without doing anything. But to go to, you know, 30, 50, 200, yeah. uh, whatever you guys, yeah. and $200 million in that business, it was not, as much as you and I want to think it's all us because we're so good at like doing <laughs> the thing. Like we just create havoc, right? Yeah. And so usually the person gets a million bucks causes so much chaos and thing that the systems fall apart, the fulfillment falls apart, their customer uh, support falls, like all those things start falling apart and it starts imploding on really quick. Mm -hmm. There's some people who two comma club and never make to the second two comma club or two comma club X, whatever the next thing is, because that's the, the thing. So it's understanding that like the skill set that got you to a million bucks, um, gave you enough money to hire the people to give you the skill set to get yeah. to 10. Yeah. Like that's the key is coming back is understanding that. And it's, it's, it's really like, cause a million dollars, we're creating chaos and sales. Yeah. And Me energy, and Brandon call it, uh, there, there's the two people and it's, the two functions are make it rain and develop the organization. Uh -huh. So it's like really when the business is starting and you're like trying to figure out an offer that's work and your messaging and like get out there and like actually get your first successes and get into that million is all about like making it rain. Mm -hmm. But after that, it's like, if we want to grow from here, we have to develop the organization yeah. that can support like making it rain yeah. more. And the biggest problem is the ego of the person in front of the camera, yeah. the high, typically the disc profile or high D, high I, like mm -hmm. I'm the greatest in the world. I want to be on stage. Like, and then they don't value the S and the C, which is the organization, the faithfulness, yeah. like that kind of stuff. And so like, that's- Cause we're like, thing. that's boring. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you do that? Like we don't need meetings. Meetings are stupid. I still fight meetings, but, but that's the that's the thing, right? So it's like, it's being like the, putting your ego aside not to be like, I'm going to burn out if I keep trying to do this part of it. And like, okay, now's the time to build a team and understanding like it's hard because we're 
when you first get started, you don't have the money, or the resources to build a team, right? right. And so you're like, screw this, I'm just gonna do myself. And you just, we just muscle through it. And we, you yeah, you're like the videographer, you're the copywriter, <laughs> you're the videographer. I built the whole app myself. <laughs> like you're yeah. doing everything. You're wearing every hat in the business because yeah. you can't afford to pay anyone yet. Yeah. So the, I look at the first million is like, you get the financing now to go and, and, and build a team as opposed to getting the financing to buy your car and your you know, like that's yeah. what it was like, like oh, buy your Lamborghini. Look, I, got, I got the thing I wanted. Like, cool. Yeah. Now you have to keep doing this because you just gave yourself a job that's <laughs> you're locked into forever. Right. So I always tell people, and in fact, I did a podcast once years ago, like for me, when I had the realization, it's like, I have to go from being the all-star for me, Michael Jordan to being the coach. Yeah. And that's the transition. It's hard. And like, it's hard, especially first, because it takes some of the eyes off of you. And it's like, ah, oh, like, but I was the star. But when you start becoming the coach and like understanding that it's actually more fulfilling, like, watching your athletes to succeed. Like my dad used to tell me, my dad was a great wrestler. Then he coached me. He's like, like being a coach for you as my son was way more, had more fun than me as a wrestler. And I never believed that. That's stupid. Who'd want to coach? And now <laughs> I got my kid, like Bowen. I was, I was out in the wrestling last night till 10, 30 night with Bowen working on stuff. And he got done. He rocked inside. And I was just like, that was like the greatest two hours of my life. Like it was so much more fulfilling, but it's, you don't believe it when you're in the limelight, right? So it's, it's making that, that transition from like, from the all-star to the coach. Well, I think the other side too, is like, you don't realize like all the stuff that you're doing that you're not the best at. And mm -hmm. like the realization for me was when Brandon, um, when Brandon literally said to me, like, when we started working together, literally when we first started dating each other, he like made us list out because he's the operator <laughs> and this is why we need this person, right? <laughs> There's like a spreadsheet, like it was just a note in our phone at the time, but like, here's like my role and here's your role. And like, you don't cross my line and I don't cross your line and we trust each other in that way. And I think for me at first I was like, no, like I want to learn because he was running like all the Facebook ads and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh no, I want to learn Facebook ads too. Or no, I want to learn this stuff too. Or no, I want to be involved in that too because I felt like the need to. And once I kind of let go of needing to to have control over everything mm -hmm. and being like, okay, this is now delegated to him. It's like I, and over time having to re-come back to that thought of like, I need to do what only I'm best at. And what can I delegate that someone else is better than me at this? Like, mm -hmm. I'm not the great at, greatest at running meetings. Like I'm the worst at meetings. I just want to talk to everybody and I get like nothing done. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm on team calls and stuff. And I'm like, oh, hey, what's up guys? And I'm just like going on and on. And I'm like, oh yeah, we're supposed to do something, you know? And so I'm not the best at that. And so it's like, who are the people that you can put in place? where you can hand off and push off those things that now take more like stress off of you. Number two, you probably don't even like doing most of them. You can let somebody else do it. Cause if I would just spend the time I was spending doing the things that I'm not good at on making more ads or writing more copy or developing more content, like how much more would that make it rain in our business yeah. if I handed off those things to someone else? But I think most entrepreneurs, like we have, we have the need for control because mm -hmm. most of us are like the DI personality. I'm an ID. Brandon's a you know DC personality. So he's super, <laughs> super like, you know, I have to be in the thick of it. Yeah. Um, but you know, like, what do you say to those people that feel like they have to have that type of control when you're talking about, you need to bring in someone that you're going to trust this much to run these parts of your business. Yeah. Um, the easiest lesson for this one is, um, um, Benjamin Hardy and Dan Solomon wrote a book called Who Not the How. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because in that book, he talks about how most entrepreneurs and people like us, like, again, like, I want to learn how to do, I want to learn Facebook yeah. ads. And so we go and we spend eight months trying to learn how to do Facebook ads. And so we get in this, like, these procrastination loops, right? Like, yeah. Trying to learn, like, how do we, how do we, how do I do that? And the whole premise of that book is like, never ask the question how, the question should always be who. Mm -hmm. So it's like, like, how do I do this? No, 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 no. Who's, who's going to do this? And like, that's the, that's the secret to liberation, right? Because in fact, I did this one time at Funnel Hacking Live. I was trying to show like, if you guys want to be successful, here's all the things you have to learn. You have to learn um, strategy of like what funnels are. Then you got to learn to write copy. Then you got to learn how to make a video. Yeah. Then you got to learn how to edit the video. Then you got to 
take the pictures. And I was showing like, for you to learn Photoshop, it's gonna take you six months, right? If you yeah. learn how to video, it's like a year and a half. Like if you learn copywriting, like it's six years. And I was like, if you string that across, it was like 74 years. <laughs> I'm like, so if you wanna do the how, in 74 years from now, you're gonna be super successful. And you can be able to do all of it better than anyone. Or you ask the question who, I'm like, I can get you there in three weeks. Cause you're gonna yeah. figure out this, 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 and then you launch it. And then it's like, oh, that was actually way better. And I got the thing I really wanted, which was success at the end, right? So it's that, who not the house, like such a simple principle, but every time you ask like, how do I do that? Like they catch yourself. The word how is like, it should be like a curse word. Like, oh crap, yeah. I mean, I mean, who, <laughs> who's gonna do this? Like, who's the person who already knows how to do this? And that's the bigger thing we found is like, I went and like, I, when I started the business, I learned copywriting. I became a good copywriter, but mm -hmm. I was just learning all the other parts. And so I was always dabbling in it. And the first time I hired a copywriter of now, Heath, like Heath is way better than I've ever dreamt of being. And like, I never knew it until he did it. And I was like, whoa. That's You're like, nobody better. can do this better than me. Yeah. And then he did, <laughs> I was like, crap. And then he can spend his whole time, 24 hours a day, just focusing on that crafting and mm -hmm. better and better and better. Where we're juggling 50 things so we can kind of dabble in everything versus like one person that becomes the thing and they can focus on it. And like, and then you find five people all focusing on their great thing. Like that's when, that's when the- How do you get over goes. the hump though of like, to the point where you're like, okay, I think I'm gonna hire a copywriter and maybe you have this belief of like, I write all the copy, right? How do you get over the hump of being like, I'm gonna hire someone and give them a salary to do this? Like, when do people know it's the time to like make that step for like having the copywriter or having an assistant or like, how, how do they get over the hump of that belief of like, I can't afford that yet? Mm -hmm. Or like, is it time for me to do it? I think a big part of it is actually figuring out this is like, <clears throat> I see these entrepreneurs all the time. It's like, they look at their businesses like, oh, these things are in their mind, it's free. Like copywriting is free because I'm doing it. But it's like, no, your time, you're still doing it. Yeah. So I have to come back and say, okay, if you were, if someone was to hire you as a consultant, what would you charge them per hour? Mm -hmm. So you're like, okay, I'm gonna charge thousand bucks an hour, right? Cool, that's your consulting fee to do this. Now, how long does it take you to write that sales letter? And you're like, same week and a half. Okay, week and a half. So you're looking at eight hours a day, Da, da, da. You should figure out the hours or whatever that is. There's 50 hours and you charge a thousand bucks an hour. So you charge 50 grand of your own time to do that. Like that's what you're, the opportunity cost you're actually spending is 50 grand to write that. Or you hire a copywriter for 20 grand who can focus and dedicate on. And then also the opportunity the cost time. of all like, this. Every day. And then yeah. you, can't, you can't be making ads. You can't be doing it. Like you yeah. can't like, and like it's, it's coming down to like, honestly, it's coming down to entrepreneurs valuing their time. Mm -hmm. And they don't do it initially because they're like, oh, it's like, doesn't like yeah. my company's super profitable. Like, unless you actually build your own hours, then you're not profitable, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's realizing like, what, like, what do you want to get paid per hour? And then backing everything into that. It's like, cool, I can go learn PPC. I can learn Facebook ads. How long is it take me? It's taking three months. Plus testing and trial and errors. What's the what's the math on that? like math cost me three hundred grand to learn that? Okay, I'm gonna pay the guy fifty grand to run my Facebook ads. Yeah, you know, it's really cheap. I feel like that it way. makes it a really easy yes. Yeah, you know, a lot of the time. And like, what's funny is you 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 get bandwidth for so much more too. So like, yeah. you think like hiring the copywriter, like oh, it's gonna cost this much, but it's like, what's the opportunity cost of not having the copywriter to where like more things yeah. can go out and happen. How much, like how much are you capping your business growth by like staying in the mindset of like, I don't mm -hmm. want to pay money for good people. Yeah. You know? People always say, Russell, how do you get so much stuff done? You must be amazing. Like, no, I have a lot of amazing people. <laughs> like that's the big secret. There it is. <laughs> don't tell anybody else. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, it's freaking funny. I love that. Cause I'll, I just remember being in that same spot where it's like, you do everything and then hand it off to people and like having to like trust them to do it because you've done it's it It's hard at first So like, how do you get over the, the trust factor, right? Of like, you've done it all, you're writing all the copy, you're making all the stuff, you're building all the funnels. And then now like, it had to feel like kind of handing off a child mm. to someone, you know, cause you had been the one yeah. doing it. So how did you get to that like trust area? So the real secret is it's still hard. Yeah. So that thing is like, I'm way better. Like if you guys have seen me 20 years ago, it was, mm -hmm. I was, it was possible, but it's still hard. Cause like, especially if you love what you do, like mm -hmm. that's 
lot of people can outsource because they don't really care. But like when you love what you do, so like, so I just have it where I'm still involved, but I, I try my best to let people who are amazing, like Jenny's laughing back there because she does a lot of our design stuff and she knows as long as there's grunge on, I'm gonna love it. So she'll design something. I'm like, cool. If you grunge that up a little bit, it'd be great. But like after a while, they, they know kind of your taste and your style, you know, like Heath is the same way, like who's our copywriter. Like we talk back and forth and like, at first it's like, it takes a while to mold till it's like, till you're in sync and it's like, okay, now I know what he wants. And, but there's that, that dating phase. that takes a little bit. Like Jake, who I think is the greatest designer I've ever worked with. Yeah, Jake's amazing. Um, but when we first came in, like, we kept bumping heads. It was just like, ah, ah. And so a couple of times I, I like, ah, like, I'd eat, like literally outsource it to 99 designs. I'm like, he's not doing it right. I'm just gonna do it over here. As opposed to like, eventually we like, it took a little while to just like, cause he's a great designer, but I have my style. And it's like, we have to, we have to like mush those things together. And that takes time. But after you get it, then it starts getting better and better. And then eventually it's like, whoa, just do your thing. Like, yeah, that's me. That's way better I could have thought of, you yeah. know? And they start trusting him. But it's just, it's getting past that that time of like taking their, their super skill, your style and mash, matching them like that's the part most we give up it's like oh it's not working like, oh, like yeah. go a little longer to they match and then and then no, we hired fast. our first copywriters and, and stuff um for us I, and i hated everything that i would see like mm -hmm. i was like this is awful this sucks you know what i mean like <laughs> oh like I'm, just, right, I'm literally like they'll send me like all the emails that are supposed to be going out and i'm like literally just rewriting them all because i'm like mm -hmm. this is awful and then brandon's like ah like don't did you teach them how your brain works and how you think about it and i was like well, no, they, they should, should just know, know. <laughs> right? They should just know. And he's like, no, you need to just sit down or like get their emails. And every time they send you an email or they send you the copy for social or whatever, you need to just turn on like a loom and record and say like, ah, actually I would say this here. Or like, here's how I would mention this here. Or here's what I would say as the PS or the call to action and let them listen to your brain thinking about like their work that they've done mm -hmm. or like rewrite it, but tell them like, you see how you said this, but I said it this way. And so actually training them to think like you and that was like the best thing I ever did. So I spent every like new copywriter that would come on would go through that training. I spent like six weeks doing that, like every single day until it was like, I was giving out the rope and then giving a little more and then a little more. And then eventually it's like, it was freaking good. And I would get stuff mm -hmm. back. Like you said about, about Heath was like, oh, this is so good. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's interesting because I think a lot of times, especially people like me who, um, I can't remember what personality, but like I, I hate like, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, right? Yeah. And so it's hard for me because like, I always took, and I'm still learning this process. I'm not perfect yet, but like, someone gives me work and it's not perfect. Like, I feel so guilty. I don't want to tell them they did yeah. it wrong. Yeah. And- um, You'd just because, rather do it and be like, this is what we're going with. Yeah, because if it was me, like, I don't want someone to tell me I'm wrong. Cause like, this is my vision. Like, this is, you know, so I don't want to tell this. Like, I would, I still sometimes do this. I'm getting better, but like, I wouldn't tell them the feedback because I don't want to offend them. Or, or, and it turns out, just so everyone knows who's like me, yeah, they actually them. really want to know your feedback. Yeah, and they're excited when you tell it to them, which blows my mind because I'm still like, oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Like, no, like they actually want to know. And Jenny's back here laughing. Brandon's laughing because these are two <laughs> that like the most like, just tell us who you want. I'm like, but yeah. I don't want to hurt your feelings. And like, we actually want to serve you. Like, just tell us. And so like, that's that has become a bigger thing for me because in my head I was, I was like. I just got to fix it because I don't want to offend them. Yeah. As opposed to like, they are here because they want to Yeah, they're like, I want to do a better job. Yeah. Like, I want to be good at my job. I want to stay here. Like, I like this work. Like, yeah. teach me how to be better. And sometimes we like put a barrier of just like, no, I'll go, I'll go rewrite the whole thing and just do it for them, yeah. you know, and never and tell they them. they see the email later. Like, oh, why yeah. didn't did you just do it? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't my email. Weird. Yeah. And we're like, oh yeah, maybe we'll use that later. I just tweaked a little bit. Yeah, you know? just tweaked a little bit. <laughs> but really like people want the feedback and want to know. And you have yeah. to give it to them and give them grace of knowing like, have you taught them how to do it yet? Because if you haven't 
haven't taught them how, like you can't be upset that it's not the way that you want it to be, right? And so once I kind of got over that mindset, it like changed the game. Like, how do I train them into writing like me? Well, I have to spend the time to sit with them to do that, you know? Um, uh, I want to ask you like a a personal one, because I know like, a lot of these people, a lot of entrepreneurs, like they're married, they have kids, like we have families. And also you've scaled this huge business, right? And then it's hard, like when you're scaling a huge business and you have a bazillion, how many employees do you have now? Like 400 and something, right? And so you're accountable to all these employees. Like you're, you know, paying people, making sure that they have dinner on the table at night, but also for you, like you have this whole family, all these kids that you are trying to support at the same time that you're supporting the business. And so what, what mistakes did you share with people that are maybe married, have kids and like the scale of that and maybe things that like you did wrong or would have done differently um, yeah. when it comes to like your family and <laughs> in marriage, you yeah. know, cause that's a hard one. Like I messed up, like I didn't spend time with my kids and I made that transition for myself. Like I never saw my kids, never yeah. took them to school, that kind of thing. If I could go back, like that's something that I would have changed from the beginning. Yeah. You know, so many things like, and obviously every, every relationship is different. Like my wife's yeah. not engaged or involved in business at all where yeah. you and Brandon are like, in it together. So like there's different dynamics. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing I learned. So I started this business when Clint and I just got pregnant with twins and it was so exciting. And then we have two babies, went from nothing to two babies and chaos. And then I'm learning this whole speaking thing. I'm Mm -hmm. traveling the world. And so I'd be going on these vacations where I, or not vacation, she would call them vacations, but I was going on, (laughs) going to a seminar to go speak. So I'd fly. And she would call them vacations. That's a big point to make (laughs) here is that she thought and had the perception that you're going on vacation and I'm home with two kids. And so I'm flying to these places. I'm in a hotel and I'm like, you know, this is beginning my career. So I've never eaten out before. So I'm eating out and these cool (laughs) people and these experiences. And so she's at home with two kids kids, which twins, it was insane. Yeah. Like, like I don't remember that whole window of our life. It was so hard. And then I'm calling home like, oh my gosh, like I met this person and I ate the sushi and it was so good. And she's at home like covered in like spit up and mm-hmm. puke and all the stuff with the kids. And, and like, it was weird because like, I would come home so excited and she'd be angry. I'm like, why are you angry? Like I'm pursuing yeah, our dreams. All this awesomeness money. happened. We're yeah. going to be rich. You tell her again. We're going to be rich. <laughs> it's finally working <laughs> after all the failures. Like, yeah. And I think it's just, um, sometimes we forget about that. Like, like the other person's experience mm-hmm. and it was actually, so this is the hack. So, which I don't know if it's right or wrong, but for me, what, what I figured out, like I would go on these vacations. And I remember one time I went and I had like a really bad experience. Like, people were annoying. Some guy followed me to the bathroom and was like, asked me questions on peeing in the urinal. Mm-hmm. I was like so annoyed. And then like, I didn't get to eat before my thing. And I was like, so all this stuff's so, like, that night I complained. I was like, oh, like frustrated. And I go home that the next day or whatever. And then she was cool. I'm like, oh, weird. Like, okay, I have to understand that like, like it, me talking about the winds is not helping her at all. Like, yeah. it, like yes, the winds. She's later, like, awesome in, for you. I'm here in, in moment, a totally yeah. different world. So I learned like, I can't in the moment share the big wind. So, so it shifted to like, when I'm on the road, it's like, yeah, no, I met these people and we're doing stuff. And like, and I would talk about the factual side of it where she's like, oh, and she respected that and was good. And then I come home and then later when she's, I, I was able to come back, take the kids for a while, let her take a nap and stuff like that. And then be like, oh my gosh, let me tell you these cool things that happened. Then she could yeah. be part of the vision. It was exciting. Like that was such like a little tweak, but change probably saved our marriage because mm-hmm it was going on a weird route where I was like, the more fun I was having, the the worse the relationship it got to yeah. be, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that that started happening. Um, so that was the biggest one, like from a marriage standpoint, that was just really helpful, just understanding the the view of where, you know, that's happening for her. Yeah. <clears throat> and then also it's like tough, because especially if you're the face of the company, you get you go out there and like, everyone loves you and they're telling you how mm-hmm. great you are, all sorts of stuff like that. And they come home and they're not getting any of that. They don't get to yeah. see any of that and it's really, really hard. So it's like making sure coming back and like, okay, I need to make sure that like, 
I'm feeling hurting because I'm getting it felt. Like I'm getting my needs met everywhere else. And that's one of the yeah. biggest problems. Like entrepreneurs as a whole happen is like, you start a business, you want more time free and more time with your family, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then you yep. go on the road and then you get all of your needs met. People think you're cool and like all like your needs are met there. And then like you start forgetting about at home. And like, and so for me, it's actually about seven years into our into our marriage. First thing I went to Tony Robbins event. Mm-hmm. And anyone's And Tony whipped you into shape. He whipped me yeah. bad. But it was interesting <laughs> he because I've I've said from stage like Tony saved our marriage. Like seven years yeah. in, it was uh, they was seven year itch or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. but it was that spot where it's just like we'd not like being around each other. It wasn't that great. Like I'd yeah. go and I'd travel more cause like, I don't want to be here. So I'd travel yeah. more. And at Tony's, Tony's event, he talked about the six human needs and like understanding that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I like every one of my needs get met in business. So I have no, per- I have, there's no reason for like the marriage like is not fulfilling my needs. Yeah. That's why I keep running from it. Mm-hmm. And I became conscious of it. And I was like, holy crap, I have to fix this or else everything's going to fall apart. And so like, I started going back to the marriage, like, hey, I need to make sure my needs are met here first. Like then I can go pursue this stuff and it's cool. But if my needs are not being met here, like this is not going to last. And so I was like, hey, how do I, how do I, if you've studied, if you, if you haven't like go to YouTube and type in Tony Robbins, six human needs, one of the greatest yeah, things so that changed good. my life. But like, how do I get, make sure my wife's got certainty? How to make sure she has variety? How to make sure mm-hmm. she has got love and connection? How to make sure she has significance? Like trying to pour those things. And how do I get that from the marriage and from the family as well? And then and for next year or so, like from year seven to year eight, like we started like figuring those things out. And then it was like, oh, we like each other. And this is amazing. like, we're, this is why we fell in love way back in the day. We actually yeah. like each other. Like we're great friends. And like, oh, yeah. we got needs met there. And it wasn't like trying to run to get my needs met. It was like making sure my needs are met first. And then if they're met, then I can go and pursue other things where I don't need that. I don't need that to be happy. I don't need that to be six. Like, cool, if it happens, it's awesome. If my needs are already met over here, I don't need, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> so it, I think that's it's, the key. it's so good. It's like we send, we as entrepreneurs like spend so much time like obsessing over our, who our customer is mm-hmm. and like learning our customer and how to talk to our customer and how to persuade our customer and how to get them in and like how to change their life. And we literally look past like the person that we're married to that we do life together with. <laughs> yeah. Like what if you just spent a little bit of time like getting to know your spouse that well? Yeah. Like what are the things they need? What are the things they want? What are the things they're dreaming for? What are their pains that they're having? And like having conversations around that, it's like, we spend as entrepreneurs, we get sucked into like putting and devoting all the time into the customer that then you look up one day and you know, the same thing happened with me and Brandon. It was like, we looked up one day and was like, we're like business partners that live together. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, we don't even really know each other anymore because all we do is like work together, right? And so we have to like realign a path of like, what are you needing, right? The six human needs are are awesome. Like the love languages are awesome. And just saying like, what is it that you need? What are the things you're after? Like, how am I not filling you up? Like, you know, what do we need to do to make it better? But most people are like afraid to have the conversation or they use like the business as a distraction mechanism from fixing it. But it's like, if your funnel wasn't working, you would try to fix it. Yeah. Right. So like if your relationship isn't working, like <laughs> you got to do the same thing. You got to dissect what's the reason behind it. You yeah. know? Yeah. I think one of the biggest problems we have in entrepreneurship as a whole is people are typically running from something to pursue entrepreneurship. And it so leaves good. a whole long term that, that it's hard to fill. Yeah. You know, and they lose families, lose their kids, they lose these things are so, that's the reason why they started the journey. Yeah. Like, that's what we forget about. Yeah. So it's like coming back and like, how do we get the needs met there? And then everything else is just a bonus. And that's that little shift will change everything for people. Yeah, I think that's one of the things with me and Brandon that um, we we love to talk about is just like, it literally breaks my heart every time I see these guys who like get super successful and then all of a sudden like they're divorced, right? Yeah. They're super, they get super successful. They've been building this business. They get the success. Now they got the car, they got the thing. And then all of a sudden like, you see this post of now they're divorced from their wife and don't really see their kids anymore. You yeah. know what I mean? And so for me, it's like, 
how do we teach people to scale a business to where they don't have to give those things up and do it the right way? Because exactly what you said, like they're they're the ones there why you did the first place. I want to provide for my family. Like Mm -hmm. I want us to be able to do more. We want to have time freedom together. We want to be able to do all these things. And like you guys have the dream together. And then they get to this point where they start believing their own bio, right? And it's like this, (laughs) this horrible thing that happens that it's almost like they involve to a different person and not like, yes, I have this persona. This is who I am. This is what the business is. But like, here's, here's the person that I've decided to do life with and that I have kids with. Right. And not to be, you know, too big for that. Yeah. Crazy. So it's like a counseling session. I, no, I know. I know. <laughs> it's good. so good because like people, well, so, people don't so hear that, need the most, you know, hundred percent. It's like, yeah. you guys like get, like stop thinking well, you're you so think cool, about you you're guys. not that cool. You, you mean, you sold Lady Boss. Like literally you, <laughs> yeah. you built you built this thing for a decade and mm-hmm. then you sold it primarily to be able to get back to your kids and your husband. Yeah. Like you, where most people don't, they're gonna double down and keep going. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's somebody I respect a ton about you for doing that. Cause I, I mean, you're similar to me with high eye. Like we wanna be on stage, yeah. like to give that up and step away. Like, oh, I'm gonna put it over here. Coming back to my kids is not an easy decision, right? Like yeah. it's it's hard and you did it. Um, and then we roped you back in to come back and <laughs> hang out with us, but it's all, you know what I mean? Yeah, like for me, it was like, I went back to the thing, you know, and we're like, why do we start doing this, right? Why do we become entrepreneurs? So I was like, oh, the time freedom and this and this, and we wanna do things. It's like, we did not have our twenties, mm-hmm. like at all. You know what I mean? All we did was grind. Like we literally lived in Albuquerque, even though we wanted to live other places. Like we literally stayed in Albuquerque because we were like, there's no distractions here because this is all we want to do. And we looked up one day and we're like, are, we're like missing out on life. Like I want to have two more kids, you know? Like we're missing out on the other things of life because like all we're focused on is like building the business. And we're like, what, to what point? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like to what point that, you know, there's there's time to have other businesses and do other things, but to what point that like we aren't actually getting from it the thing that we started it for? Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's easy um, to get lost in that path and forget. Yeah, it's interesting you just said that about us, and I'll I'll wrap up kind of with this, and then we'll t- we'll tell your your embarrassing moment that you're going to share <laughs> with all of us because that's what we do at the end of the podcast. But um, I don't I've never asked you like this question before, but you know when we first met you, right? It was at like the ClickFunnels event when there was like I mean it was small. It was like one of the first ones. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you guys were just getting started and Brandon walked up to you. You're sitting at a table and you're, and he just like comes up to you. And <laughs> if you know, Russell at all, like you don't just like swing up on Russell with all your extroversion. You got to like work your way in a little bit, you know? Um, and so Brandon just comes up to you at the table and he's like, Hey Russell, I just want to introduce myself to you. And like, we're Brandon and Kaylin and we're going to be like one of your biggest testimonies and blah, blah, blah. And he tells you all this stuff. And so I just want to hear from like your perspective, like seeing the inception of that, like we did this course that you did, we went to the event, <laughs> like, you know, we went and built the thing. And from your perspective, like, like how did that, and, and then we sent you a video, right? <laughs> saying, we're gonna join the inner circle and we're gonna be your biggest testimony. <laughs> and like, I'm like ride or die with Russell Brunson, right? Like yeah. do what Russell says. And uh, I just kind of want to hear like from your perspective, like seeing someone that came in, not having their own business at all. And then what it became, Yeah, you know, and what do you think was like special? It was, um, I told you this privately, like, like for me, probably the most fun time of my, of the ClickFunnels journey for me was like working with you guys as you were going through from like, cause you were sponges. Like it, I get people all the time, like wouldn't be a big success story. I'd never see him again. Right. Yeah. And you guys said that, but then you showed up and then like, you know, even like the way, like when you guys bought the course later, it was funny. You were at Fun Like Life speaking. You're like, we bought this course and it changed everything. And like, what we do is we push play and then we pause and we actually do the thing Russell said. Yeah. And then you made a whole hashtag, like, hashtag do what Russell says, right? And you push play and the next thing and back and forth. And I remember you told me afterwards, like you got off stage and everyone went, what was the course? What was the course? And like the Funnel Hacks course. And then like, oh, they all had the exact same. Yeah. Like everyone who bought the same thing. The difference was like, 
like maybe they watched it or maybe they didn't or maybe mm -hmm. they, but the, you guys did it. Like that mm -hmm. was the thing. Like you're like, I'm going to be in your circle someday. And then <clears throat> the next inner circle, I mean, you guys are there. Like you're in the room, like, oh, cool. And then like you showed up and you were here in Boise, like over and over and over again. Like you guys mm -hmm. did what you said you were going to do. Mm -hmm. I think so many people, um, uh, what did My Myron spoke at the last little thing we did, we talked about this, how like, how most of us don't trust ourselves because because we know when we're lying. Mm -hmm. and we lie to ourselves over and like, I'm gonna do the thing and we don't. And we like, oh, I lied again, I lied again. So we stopped believing ourselves. Whereas you guys were like, you said something, you did it. You said something, you did it. You said something, and it's just every single time. Like, it was crazy. Every single time something happened, you said it, you did it, you said it, you did it, you said it, you did it, and you just kept doing that. And I think that, um, and it was fun because like, you'd see something and then you'd model it. You'd, you'd create your own, you'd invent innovating. You were, it was just like, it was so much fun to, to see you know, someone who was so excited and so passionate and was like learning the art and then, and then like learning, but then also like innovating on top of it and creating new ideas, and new things. And it was just like so much fun. Like for years, me and you <laughs> go back and forth. I do a webinar and then like the next day or hours later, you're doing like the same version. And yeah. they're like, oh, you did that, that was so cool. And I yeah. copy you back and forth. And just, it was, you know, such a fun, fun season, but it was just fun to watch you guys because you guys are the best students. And then, and you just, just follow things blindly, you're also innovating and creating on top of it, which mm -hmm. which was fun for me to watch. So anyway, yeah, it's pretty I cool. I love that. I love that. Thanks for yeah. that. Cause I'm just like, I know for me, like when I have a customer come in and then, you know, they start with you and then they're with you for years and then like you literally see them transform over years. And you're like, I like, I like, I watched this happen, you know, and yeah. it's always so fulfilling so cool. to feel it, uh, to, to see it happen and like watch it real time every mm -hmm. day, you know? It's fun for me too, cause like you guys would, I mean, you're amazing. You would have been successful no matter what. And just the fact I got to be a piece in that journey for so many different times and different parts. Like it was just, yeah, like one of the greatest blessings of my life. It was really fun. Yeah, for me so. too. Okay, so now it's time to, <laughs> Russell's gonna share his embarrassing. Oh, well, this is how we end this podcast. You guys already heard, like, you know, I I, I told Russell, like, listen, I, I already told him I had to pee in a cup on an airplane. <laughs> so it doesn't really, really get good. worse than know. that. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm like, so, I'm super introvert, so I hide from embarrassment as much as humanly possible. So yeah. I don't know if mine's gonna be as good as other people's, but like- um, You need to dig deep for this I one, know. Russell. <laughs> there's a micro one, but there's one that was actually like really deaf. So the micro one was like, cause I don't think anyone knew besides me, but, um, and I'll share like one that was actually more painful, but like the micro <laughs> one was like, I, I was speaking to Grant Cardone's 10X event and it was yeah. the big one in Mariner Stadium mm -hmm. and freaking Bart. So you guys, don't know Bart, but Bart like shops for me and buys me yeah. stuff. So he bought me these shoes. They're like, all oh, these shoes look so sick on stage. Everyone's gonna love them. He didn't tell me that like, when you buy brand new shoes, like the dressy shoes, they're like, it's like- Stiff. There's like, well, like the bottom's like ice. It's like, you're oh, supposed to go out, yeah. like apparently you're supposed to go out and scuff them up. And he didn't tell me that. So I'm on stage in front of 35,000 people in a baseball stadium. Then like the music starts, the the thing starts rising up, you know, the 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 LED wall starts rising up and smoke's coming. I come out and I'm like, oh, and I'm walking out and I take the step and my foot goes, whoo. And no. I almost did the splits on stage. I was like, whoo. And I was like, oh, and I, I got, caught myself again real quick. But I was like, oh my gosh, I almost just slipped in front of 35,000 people. So then the oh rest of the time gosh. on stage, I'm taking little tiny steps. Little, like I'm on the biggest stage. You're just I've ever like been uncomfortable on. the I'm whole like, time. I don't want to take big steps, like little steps. So anyway, that one, like most people didn't see, but it was just like- No, I had no idea. The fear and anxiety of Yeah, that then it like, like throws you off for like your whole thing. You're oh, like thinking yeah. about the whole time. Like, oh my gosh. Really but the most embarrassing, like the, honestly, in this business, the most embarrassing thing for me was, um, was when I was learning public speaking and I'd seen- mm -hmm. I'd been to an event, I saw people speaking from stage. I was like, I have to learn this, I have to learn this. And my friend invited me to speak at his event, first time I ever did it. And then, you know, my ego turns on, I'm like, well, I'm, I, you know, I'm a better, I can teach better than other people did. And I'd seen them speak and sell. So like, I'm gonna make a presentation, it's the best ever. And I'm gonna get from stage, I'm gonna like, and so in my head, I, I was like, I thought I was gonna just crush it, right? And so I get up there and again, this is 
First time I've ever been on stage. I'm so scared. Buzzed head, glasses, shirt and tie, because I thought business people had to wear a shirt and tie. I have like the little, little clip, the microphone clip's like hooked to my tie and it's like the big old string. It's just so embarrassing looking back now. <laughs> but I got there, I did my presentation and I was just like, in my head, I'm like, I'm gonna outsell everybody. It's gonna be the best thing in the world. And then um, I remember like my clothes, cause I was like, I'm not gonna insult you, your intelligence like the other speakers did. My product costs a thousand dollars. And if you wanna get it right now, it's in the back of the room. And typically people spend like 30 minutes doing their clothes or whatever. Yeah. That, that was my clothes. So like back of the room. <laughs> that was it. And that's, I ended. And then like the, usually in the back, there's someone with music who like turns the music on. So it's not so awkward, but like no music turned on. I did that and it stopped and everyone sat there and I'm like, oh crap. And this is, everyone's staring at me. I just pitched, nobody's moving, nothing's happening. And all the fear and anxiety and all this stuff. just like, I was just like, I want to die. I want to die. I want to like, get off stage. And so I like, I'm like, okay, well, thanks. And I kind of like awkwardly start walking off the stage and the guy in the back is like, so she kind of puts music on a little bit and I walk off and then I walk to the back of the room where she's just selling, there's nobody back there. And I'm kind of standing there. A couple people came up like, oh, that was a good presentation. Thank you. And they kind of walked away and left. And I was like, not a single person bought, like not one. And it was just like, all my fears and anxieties happen. You know, like, mm -hmm. you have like biggest fear. what if I speak on stage and I mess up and nobody likes me and they all make mm -hmm. fun of me. That yeah. was what, it, you know, they say that, public speaking is the number one fear in life, like more so than death. People would rather die than, yeah. they say people would rather die and be buried in the ground than be the person like giving the eulogy. Like, <laughs> yeah. like that's how bad, and like, it was so embarrassing. I remember like I got done and I left, I like ran to the elevator and I went to my room and I was so embarrassed. I hid there for the next three days of the event in my oh room. Oh my gosh, like you didn't leave at all? I didn't leave. I, remember, I still remember this day because like the room service had, Haagen-Dazs ice cream and coconut shrimp. And I was like, this is amazing. So I ordered Haagen-Dazs ice cream, which you know, I didn't know this at the time. It was like, like 5,000 calories yeah. per little pint. I was like three or four of those a day plus coconut shrimp, watching movies. I was just like that for three days. And then I remember sneaking out, trying to hide and sneak out to get to my taxis pre-Uber to get back to the airport without anyone seeing me because I was so humiliated that like nobody had sold. I was like, I will never do this again. Um, and that was most embarrassing. And then from that, like, anyway, yeah, the, you became the like the best speaker ever. Like people yeah. watch you, learn from you how to present now. Like <laughs> and that's where it all began. So anyway, that was just, yeah, not as embarrassing as some things, but for me, man, it was, it was humiliating. It was so painful. So. All right. Well, I'm going to have you, uh, I, I want your honest answer. I'm going to ask you a question that I wasn't prepared to ask you, but it's just on my mind. Um, you know, since our transition from Lady Boss, like we've been working with businesses that are seven or eight figures and want to scale, right? And so from your perspective, like watching it done, like we know each other very well. We started as students, right? And then we've become friends over the years. and We've done trips and stuff together, which have been super cool, like Pirates Cove. That was yeah. amazing. But um, like from your perspective, like, you know, if, if someone's looking to scale and they're like, I need help doing it more so than like, here's the tactics and like the marketing, like you're the best at that, like getting it launched off the ground. Um, I'd just like to hear from you and like, maybe you can give some feedback on this is like, for you and your perspective, why are Brandon and I like legit to work with? Yeah. Like, you know what Let I mean? Me like, I, I, want I, your, you? <laughs> I, want, I want your honest answer yeah. because like, you know, more than anyone else, you've seen everything we've ever done. And instead of me telling them like, hey guys, like you should work with us. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like we've done it, we can help yeah. you do it. Like we've made all the mistakes, we've done it all. Like we've been through it. Um, I don't know, I'd just like yeah. you do it this time instead yeah. of me. <laughs> let me sell you, let me sell you for a minute. No, so a lot of reasons. So, and what's fascinating about you guys is just, there's like the yin and the yang, right? Like, yeah. um, you know, this like, uh, I can't remember how many years ago, we did a CEO swap where like we yeah. came and coached each other on each other's businesses. And I remember like 
on the brand side, we showed everyone our operations and Brandon's like, looked at me, he's like, how are you still in business? I was like, I don't know. We're really good at You're selling like, stuff. like, I'm outselling all my problems right now. <laughs> yeah, we're really good at selling stuff. But like, like that's like most entrepreneurs don't look at, or, mm-hmm. you know, that was the first like wake up call for me. It was like, oh my gosh, like if I'm going to get where we want to get, like I got to figure out how to not just sell. So I think there's that side, which is insanely valuable. Something I don't, and don't even know how to teach, like the operational structure, like getting those things Mm -hmm. in place so that when, when it pops, there's the foundations to to be successful. Second side is with you, like, um, somebody asked me this, like of all the students you've ever like learned the perfect webinar, learned your stuff and like, like, who's the best? I was like, Kaylin, hands down. Like there's nobody better. Like, (laughs) And like, I talked about like, not only did you do it, like you innovate on top of it and so much. So like, here's the sales pitch. Like we literally just gave you equity back in the company I bought for you to come back and do the thing that you do. Like, that's how good it is. Like, yes. Like, and it's been insane. Cause like I hired you as a consultant, but gave mm-hmm. you equity in the business to come back. And I've watched you done in the last, like, and this is like, what? Four weeks, four weeks ago. Maybe like, yeah, a, not, month not ago. Even, not a month ago. Like, yeah. I was like, hey, Kaylin, I want to run a challenge. This is like the structure. What do you think? And at three o'clock in the morning, you message me like, boom, here's the hook. Here's the angle. Here's da, 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 yeah. da, da, And then you build the structure. And, the, and like, I sat back. I was like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And now you're here. Like we're in my office today because we filmed, you started the challenge yeah. yesterday and crushed it. And like, so it's like, it's interesting because you have the operational side, but also like, how do you, not just how do you sell, but like, because yes, you are doing the sales, yep. the challenge, but it's mm-hmm. like the, the psychology and the structure behind that is so much bigger, right? How do we, how do we get, you know, it's more than just like, here's the sales pitch. It's yeah. here's the sales pitch, but then how do we do that to drive traffic, to convert the people, to get them, them to start moving and like all the things, you know what I mean? So um, would I pay you a ton of money to work for me on my business? Yes. Did I? Yes. Should people? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So. I think you remember like, hey, Bernie, you want to be the CEO of ClickFunnels? Like, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> you should do this for me because I don't understand this part of it all. I was and, trying to convince him. Yeah. I'm lucky now we've got like, because... Mm-hmm. Brandon woke me up like we have great operations and people mm-hmm. and stuff, but like we didn't have that and you know we're 50,000 whatever customers at the time and it's just like yeah so yeah I think you guys are a unique force because you've been in it and you have a chance to step out of it but you guys have both those pieces that are super valuable so <laughs> thanks yes. I appreciate that I'm like instead of me plugging out like <laughs> well you're here like let's just see you do it money. it's cool <laughs> <laughs> all right well what's, Russell thank you so much for for doing this I know like uh it could be uncomfortable to share mistakes but I really feel like and we feel like people learn from mistakes like why when you've already earned the t-shirt from the mistake like why make them have to earn yeah. it too right like just just give it to them so um if you guys like this podcast leave us a review give it five stars give russell a thanks for being here and appreciate you so much this has been awesome i learned a lot of new things about you today like you started your career in spamming so yeah so make sure you watch american greed if you get pulled nothing out to learn what's illegal and not illegal the best ideas are usually legal so there you go all right guys thanks for watching we'll see you next time bye